fair to say you simply flooded the system with money? Yes, we did. That's another way to think about it. We did. Where does it come from? Do you just print it? We print it digitally. Look at what it means. This is why I'm saying, like, this is a lie that's been purported by Wall Street. The lowest rates, everything gets better all of a sudden. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. What about hard work? What about it? You work high. Gods were like 30 to 1 against me. Yeah, I mean, there are very few people that, from my neighborhood, you know, in my environment, that make it out. Uh, I mean, forget about being to be successful, to make it out alive. Lie, 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 lie. Welcome, everybody, to another week of Trading Places. I am X. I'm here with my guys, Rush. What's up, people? Twan. Yo, what up? And Rashid. Good. Back as usual um, for episode eight. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, in summary, this week was fucking nuts. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> we, uh, we are witnessing history, and it's the type of history that I still can't wrap my head around because it seems as if spies, like the market, Mr. Market is headed back to all time highs, and it's ignoring everything that's going on. Um, in certain I mean, the Nasdaq is already there. That is crazy. Let's just put this out there. This is crazy. America is in turmoil, man. Like, more than 40 million people filed for unemployment. I think between April and the beginning of May, we have a possible trade slash cold slash traditional war with China. And, you know, we have riots all and, and protests all across America because of the death of a man named George Floyd from and the world. And the world. Yeah, all you around know, the world. Everybody else is looking. They bombed they bombed the US embassy in Greece. That's crazy. Jeez. That's I mean, crazy, bro. Protesting right now in London. Um I have a friend there that let me know that he's part of a protest out there, peaceful protests, but they're protesting in Paris. People are fed up, people are mad, but you wouldn't know if, you, if you're a participant in the market. <laughs> you would have you no would not way. know it, bro. I should have bought the bottom, boy. The, the euphoria is insane. <clears throat> and then we have Trump out here doing photo ops in front of coaches. Like oh, yeah. everything's so fucking performative right now. He took a victory lap yesterday. He did. The market. Okay, let's let's just jump right into that. Any fucking clue as to why the market got over exuberant yesterday and rallied off us having a surprise? You know, I'm I'm, I'm saying that with quotes. A surprise shock of 2.5 million jobs added in the month of May. Okay, okay so <laughs> that just takes away all the other jobs that were lost and some that are never coming back. I, I don't get that. I don't understand how the market took that. It's like, oh, wow. See, this is a sign of a recovery. We were supposed to be at 20% unemployment, but now we're at 13%. <laughs> Somebody bring the bottom girls out. <laughs> like, what? I mean, it's a really reflective of sentiment over the past few, well, past two months. Well, it's any bearish news we've gotten, bro. The market continues to go up. So the, I, sun, I, the, the first time we get something bullish is going to shoot. That's just crazy though because um, it's probably not even people that are fully employed. It's probably people that are underemployed that are working part time, 
you know, doing Uber Eats or, you know, uh, whatever else to get by. Um, and they're counting those numbers as like employment. I do wonder about that because, well, I know for most parts of the country, on demand workers are considered 1099s. But in California, they are now official employees of companies like Lyft and like Uber. So can you just, you know, oh, we're just going to stuff them in there in this report. But I mean, a lot of employees are default alive. Like they're not really employed, right? <laughs> um, because in certain parts of the country, it's still locked down. A lot of people are afraid to get to ride sharing services <clears throat> and things like that. So I'm really confused. Um, and I, mean, I do believe look at the numbers of bullshit. Yeah, first of all, they have this little, BLS has this disclaimer at the bottom of the release that basically says the pandemic affected our ability to collect data and it may be inaccurate. Um, they say people, you know, it used to be in home surveys, but they're doing the phone, so there may be some misrepresentation of data. They also say they have this category called um, employee, but not at work. So, um, you know, if you were at a job at any point in May, but you know, you're not at work because they've been that you're temporarily laid off and you're, you're included in the payroll. Now. So it's a, it's a bunch of funny things going on. Let's remember that BLS is a government entity. And you have people out here who are technically employed by companies aren't working because these corporations can't lay them off due to, um, I think the agreement that they made with the PVP loans, yeah. like the airlines, they can't lo- they can't lay them off yet. <clears throat> right, yeah, I've actually heard of instances where the airlines, some people working at airlines, getting uh, severance packages in the mail as early as the last couple of weeks. You know, basically, like if you if you volunteer to just go ahead and step down, then we'll give you a severance package. You know what I, I fear? I fear uh, I feel bad for I feel for the people on the fringes. So I think about the people in the community that, you know, uh, may like, you know, sweep up the local bar or or, or wash the local businesses windows. And, you know, they're being being paid cash, you know, and that's uh, that's not recorded. Like, how do they get access to those resources of unemployment? How are they recorded? You know, like because they make up the community just as much as everyone else. That's why we riding. Exactly. I mean, people are, you know, really upset. And there's just been this big debate this week. Like, oh, well, you're hurting these large corporations. The unfortunate outcome of the civil unrest, you know, across the country is that there are certain businesses that I want to say disadvantaged communities depend on. So things like retail, we saw Target shut down over 150 stores of this week because of the the fear of more civil unrest and how their stores can be affected. People do work those jobs so they can't go in. So now they're right back into being, you know, unemployed. Puts them right back into the system. But I yeah, they're just a casualty of war. They have things like insurance, right? Um, but these smaller businesses don't. So if you're a smaller business, right, a mom and pop shop, you're probably paranoid right now or you're dealing with the after effects of it because your business just got destroyed you already were impacted by covid right let's say if you were a retail business and the city shut down 
You know, we hear stories like that all the, all across the country, you know, from Pennsylvania to New York, to New Jersey, down to Georgia, California. Now this happens. So we just got two body blows that most probably won't recover from. I think there's been a war on small businesses in this country for a long time, though, like going back to the days of Standard Oil and John D. Rockefeller going in and, you know, either get down or lay down. You're going to be a part of Standard Oil or, (laughs) you know, like, and we're, we're seeing this resurgence of that again, because I feel as if a lot of those small businesses may not survive COVID, but guess who will? You know, the the Walmarts, the Targets. And there's, there's some cities that intentionally blocked out um, those types of companies and the reason why they wanted small businesses to thrive. They feel like, you know, it's a part of the spirit, the zeitgeist of the city. Um, but right now, the way that things are going, I, I feel like it's going to be very, very, very difficult for these, these small businesses to thrive. And that's, that's very concerning because... It makes you think, like, what is what our community is going to look like? Not just a black community, not just a Hispanic community, like, but also like those rural white American communities as well. Like, what are they going to look like without them? An opioid form? No, nah, that's sad, but true. That's what's going to happen. We're going to see a spike in drug dependency. It's going to wipe out entire communities. Um, and have a generational impact. Very similar to that when we were dealt with economic hardship in the mid 80s. And then what emerged? Crap. And that decimated communities. History is repeating itself. Um, And it's an unfortunate reality that we're seeing this. I mean, but you even have larger companies to go back to that. Yes, smaller businesses are hurt, but you have larger companies like The Gap. who owes 60 million in commercial rent. But they can't afford that that commercial rent right now because nobody's going to their stores. So if, if you're someone that's like Simon Property Group, right, uh, which is going through the motions because a lot of their tenants can't pay, who do you replace the gap with in those malls? What do malls look like going forward, right? It's just a lot of questions, right? And we've touched on this briefly in, in the previous episodes, but I don't see how a mall survives. Right, I don't, I don't see how a lot of these properties that that are owned by Simon Group can really weather the storm. If you have companies like the Gap saying, "Look, we ain't, we ain't got it. <laughs> we don't have your rent." Um, so across the entire spectrum, it's just going to be a, a very arduous time to navigate how to bounce back. I, I, I don't know. Again, we need an additional stimulus. I do. People are starving out there. I don't understand how. We won't see additional civil unrest for many weeks to come if you don't provide additional stimulus to smaller businesses, to states, to individuals, because they got one twelve hundred dollar check. Right. They're at home. They're angry. They're out of work. The food is running out in the pantry. But again, it's all being ignored by Wall Street, while Main Street is suffering. I just can't quite put my finger on it, but do any of you believe that? Because I've talked to friends that they don't think another stimulus is coming. Do you guys share the same sentiment? I'd be curious as to why they why they think that. I don't know, man. I I will I would like to believe that, 
most most importantly because of all the protests <laughs> and unrest that's going on. And I feel as if if people feel like, you know, their lives are being taken from them um, money wise, financially, the unrest could get worse. Yeah, but I mean, stimulus isn't the answer, right? Like stimulus is a bandaid. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you give people money and yeah, I mean, if we're going to inflate the hell out of the currency anyway, I would rather that everyday people have it rather than corporations and Wall Street, which led us here. Um, I would rather it be in consumers' hands who actually need it, who need to put money in the pantry. But I mean, if you're not producing more and you give people money yeah. and they need to spend it, then you have inflation. So this isn't the, it. That's not the answer. The answer is systemic reform, and it unfortunately is going to be a painful process. What do you think, what do you think systemic reform looks like, or what is ideal? I think there needs to be a fundamental shift in ownership of, you know, because right now we have a history of this country of slavery, you know, from slavery to segregation, from segregation to exclusion and, you know, really destroying certain communities and wealth is cumulative generation to generation, you know, out of the New Deal, white households got homes and that's where most middle people, you know, middle Americans have their wealth. So, you know, we are our neighborhoods, black people, our neighborhoods were redlined. And that continued not only, you know, in the 30s and throughout, but that built up the wealth, um, you know, among whites. Um, and then through the financial crisis, you'll notice that a lot of those same neighborhoods that were redlined those were where predatory loans were happening, where the subprime mortgages were happening. And a lot of black people lost their homes there. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be structural reform of how ownership is happening because the gap between the 1% and everybody else is so astronomical that there needs to be a different, we need to innovate with technology and figure out how technology can serve, you know, just more than a small percentage of the population. Inclusion. Well said, bro. For real. Very well said. But I would change one thing. I, I, the one thing I would change is homes to land. So like way back in the days when, when people first came to America, the only people that were really fully allowed to own land were whites. Like, think about that. Even Native Americans, right. they are native to this country. They weren't allowed to own land in certain places. Right. The land that, you know, their ancestors, you know, built up. Right. So now as we move into a world, you know what I mean, where innovation, or I should say automation, is picking up. Because what's, going to, what's happening now is a lot of jobs are going to go away by necessity. Because now these companies, you know, in our law, we have Revlon duties, which means basically management looks after shareholders. And now that we have all of these jobs displaced, coming down to it, people will have to make decisions. Well, what's the best thing, you know, profitability wise to return and drive shareholder value? And what that is going to come down to is using AI and automation. So not only these jobs that have already been lost mm-hmm. are coming back, but it's going to accelerate. So, you know, the percentage of the population that benefits from that are shareholders. And we need a fundamental shift so that, you know, the advances in technology 
don't just benefit the shareholders because of the way that the shareholders accumulated the wealth to have that position. Right. Yeah, and a lot of that money is flowing to places like Amazon Web Services, right? But basically, the internet warlord, because <laughs> a lot of businesses that are part of this automation revolution are building these bi- new businesses and services on top of Amazon to strengthen their position. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Amazon hitting 3000 before the end of this year. No. Which is really hard to think about, but I would not be surprised. To And sorry to kind of bring it back to what she was saying, but um, I think that the solution... And I think you were kind of getting to this, Rashid, is um, is it's an investment in inclusion and an investment in human capital, um, because I, I definitely agree that um, techni- technological advances are going to benefit few and not many. But we still have um, we still have a population in this country that can be retrained and re-equipped with skills that can. can we go? I mean, we have to. We don't have a choice, bro. Yeah, it's it's better than looting. Look, I agree that there needs to be retraining programs, but I believe there are different parts, different pockets of society that just cannot adapt, right? Unfortunately, like you need to, but there are individuals out there who are kind of too late in the game, right? Like, how do you retrain the person that's been a bartender for 30 years? Well, you make him sit down and learn, bro. Like, <laughs> I, mean, that's, I, I feel like that's what we want to happen yeah, um, yeah, and I think that's what has to happen for America to succeed um, but the reality is as an incumbent of the world power we're going to be the most resistant to change Yeah, and this is a worldwide phenomenon you know what I mean so this is I think what's going to end up happening is other nations who are more adapt to be more agile because they aren't leaders in society they're going to be able to adapt yeah. Um, a lot more easily because they don't have the same barriers. And, you know, for America, we really need to look this in the face and make major changes or we will be left behind. Yes. I definitely agree. But this is why I feel like, you know, I feel like we, we are moving towards a digital working class. And what I mean by that, I mean coding. Yo, coding right now is very political. I just, I read, I'm taking this Python crash course just to like, Mm-hmm. better understand blockchain technology but understand coding in general like and uh one of the the crash courses that i'm taking uh i guess the guy that wrote it he's anonymous he uh he put up some a little like blog about how coding is political and within it he was talking about how like when you write code um in essence you can determine certain things um, for example, if you're writing codes for a bank, you're determining who gets the loans. You impact yeah. who can afford to buy a home. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. It is crazy. Not the fact. I mean, it may even determine who gets insurance money. <laughs> could, I mean, it could be predictive of a lot of things. Um, that it's just really it's dark to think about. Right. Um, I went into a Whole Foods this week and I had noticed that they had got rid of six cashiers. They replaced them, you know, with self-checkout. I had never seen self-checkout in Whole Foods. Right. So COVID just accelerated that. Yeah. COVID is, is accelerating things that were already in, in motion, already in the pipeline. 
right? And it just sped it up. And here we are. Bro, we got to invest in people, bro. Or we just not going to make it. <laughs> we, we have to invest in all people, though, because, yo. The yeah, first that's people, what I mean. Nah, Absolutely. It, nah I, 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 figured, I figured that's what you meant. I just had to clarify. And the reason why is, like, diversity gives a voice for everyone. You know, like, it, this, I, if, we're, if we're looking at a future, right, we don't want to just look at the future for just one group. You want to look at the future for everyone. Absolutely. Right. And different yeah. arguments allow for, you know what I mean, better decisions. You only have one argument at the table or one worldview at the table. Yeah. Um, then you'll be driven to a lot of the same decisions without considering alternatives. Yep. Well said. Big thanks. Um, one of the things that, that really affected me... Um, or that I thought about this week when I was watching you know, the madness on TV, you know, in New York City and Los Angeles was how will insurers be impacted, you know, by the spiking claims from now businesses that have been looted? Um, can this potentially bankrupt insurers? Like, no, nah, they're getting a bailout. Oh, they're getting a bailout. <laughs> They're getting a bailout just like they did last time. AIG got the biggest bailout last last financial project. My, my question is why? Like, this, so many people that pay insurance, you know, up until the policy, right? Like, the policy is, like, fulfilled. And they're all, all they're doing, a lot of these insurance companies are doing is reinvesting the money. So, like, what are they doing? Mismanagement Ooh, of capital. Yeah, exactly. They they leverage the fuck out of their capital structures because they're incentivized to maximize shareholder value. And the way that they make money is by not paying claims. Yeah. So they make they make money by writing out, you know, premiums and not paying claims. So all of a sudden if all those they have to pay all of these claims, they didn't have that in their model, you know, when they were trying to figure out what the price of premiums are. You know, so now they have all this leverage on the books. Um and they're like, Hey, uh, Looting, uh, we didn't see this coming. This is completely out of our hands. How could this have happened? This is destroying our business. Government, please help us out. And of course, we want to help them out. And guess who's going to pay for it? You and me. Yeah. See, this is why I believe good government should intervene at times. And what I mean by good government, a government that's actually for the people, for the people's needs, to defend them, to help them, to ensure, like, you know, that. The people at large aren't being taken advantage of. But that's not what government does. Right. I feel like this, this, if not anything else, has been a classic example of government not doing that. Right. They're bailing out the big man. They're, they're coming in the form of daddy warbucks and they, you know, they drop down the bread but when I look at companies like Progressive and Allstate and State Farm it's like yeah nothing's happening to them but the smaller insurer they might be fucked right which just leads to more unemployment which means to more businesses not coming back which means now which leads to more business owners out of a business out of work depressed Yo, pharma stocks might go crazy. Drug companies might go crazy next year. Like the, the the amount of prescriptions, I would love to see the amount of prescriptions for things like Zoloft. 
<laughs> right in Xanax. I would love to see it because I, I'm sure it's worth the roof. Um, but you and, and Rashid, you brought up an interesting point. Uh, well, looting was not covered. I'm hearing reports now of people that are no, looting. Looting is covered. Looting yeah. is covered for um, so the insurers, for the most part, will be on the hook to cover the claims for the looting, um, unless there's some specific language in the contract. But what I'm saying is, what the insurers will say is, "Hey, this looting on a massive scale nationwide. How could we have ever seen that coming? That wasn't in our models. Government do something about it. You know." So I just wanted to clarify that. No, no. Um, interesting story I came across. I think I was reading the Washington Post um, on the Wall Street Journal where they were talking about insurers are not paying are not paying claims for things like COVID because they said, well, <laughs> this wasn't in the contract you signed. You need to have this specific insurance if you want it to be covered, but you know, by a pandemic, right? You need to have pandemic insurance, and so it's just really fucked up to think about that they're able to get away with that shit. Um, and, and I wish it wasn't that way because there are companies like the French Laundry out in Napa Valley that it's, it's, they're suing their insurer right now because the insurer is saying, no, actually, you're not getting any funds for us, right? Because look at the contract. It twisted link, you know, they make it convoluted for the average person, right, where they don't understand it and they're not grasping it. And then what ends up happening in the end, they get, they get away, they go on their vacations, the same bars, you know, while the little man is in the unemployment line. We have unemployment lines that stretched around the block. People can't get in contact with their unemployment, um, you know, the state unemployment office. Yet and still, we see spot clock, what, 320 yesterday, right? Yeah. I know. At 3,200. And I think that's the issue, uh, kind of going back to Twan's point about, like, good government. I don't think that's the answer. And I think this is obviously the case that you make for Bitcoin, but I think it's more of a reformation of the, the monetary system that allows for this malpractice to occur. Um, and, and just getting something that's more transparent um, and just fair, objectively fair, so that you can't get in situations where you have levered insurance companies that are just looking for bailouts because they mismanaged capital. No, that's a fact. Um, Another thing that came to mind when watching these uh, protests was the idea of privacy. We're seeing, you know, people have their masks on, but New York Times came out with a very interesting piece about how they were able to pull together the identities using anonymous data points that they got from a broker, right? You know, that turned it over to them, obviously confidentially. But where they were able to piece together every single place a person has been in large cities. Mm-hmm. It's because people can't leave their cell phones at home. Right. And so, you know, I was having a conversation with friends where they're like, well, the protesters are good. And I'm like, well, are they? <laughs> I don't think so, bro. Because if the New York Times can do this, what makes you think these police departments aren't doing it? No, nah, they're definitely doing it. Cause yeah. then, then the president labeled Antifa a terrorist organization. Yeah. So what does that mean for Homeland Security? They gotta watch footage. Yeah. Right. They had they are under the belief that Antifa was out there. Right. 
now my homies talking about um like people that go looting, like they coming back home and like cops running up in their crib, and this is back in New York, and just they're able to track them through whatever like Snapchat or whatever video is recording the actual looting occurring, and I don't know how they're able to identify who is who, but it's definitely something that is going on. This is some like a C theory shit, man. You think you think they <laughs> <laughs> you think they 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 uh, plotted this from the beginning? I don't know. Expected people to move like this? It's crazy though. And you talking about everybody getting arrested? Everybody in the house getting arrested? Not just the person looting? Like everybody? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I look at companies like Instagram, which is owned by Facebook as digital surveillance tools. But some people are recording themselves doing these crimes, which is another sub, you know, we're just I mean, not we're, Yeah, we're surveying ourselves oftentimes. We're surveying ourselves because we're handing over, you know, our right yeah. to privacy. We're saying, please track me because I want to connect with a friend or I want to like this girl's photo. Please track me. Yeah. Take away all my digital privacy rights. Like what privacy? And you can see that, you can see wh- where my place of work is, what restaurant I like to go to on the weekends, which mm-hmm. park I like to yeah. yeah, I'm not surprised. Because we're moving into a surveillance state. And in places like New York City, where a lot of the looting was happening, and the chaos was happening in Midtown, those there are cameras on every lock corner. Yeah, right. This feels like real <laughs> Orwellian, like in 1984. And the thing about it, and the thing about it, we're able to do that now. But imagine when you roll 5G out. The 5G towers, I think they they have thicker, shorter frequencies, so they have to put the towers even closer together. So what that means is you'll be able to do it with even greater precision um, once we move over to 5G. You know what I mean? In terms of location data, drone tracking. We saw that too. Where drones was being used by law enforcement. Are there any public drone companies that's selling like, to Amazon? <laughs> I'm like racing, I'm like, always right looking for the play. Yeah, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon's the answer to everything. Amazon's Wait, drones. Why, why do you think Amazon's the answer to everything? Nah, you said publicly traded drone companies. Amazon. Oh yeah. I said Amazon is basically the answer to everything. Got it. That's right, because like Amazon and Google, they've been making plays in terms of autonomous vehicles and drones and all that other stuff. So you're right. Robotics. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole the whole category. Amazon is a dominant category. They intentionally like sponsor certain universities just for the research. Mm. Well, those are going to be the big of all this, especially Apple and Google, because they got their contact tracing on every single phone. Almost every single person in this country has an iPhone or Android in their pocket. What does contact tracing look like for the user? Because I'm imagining this is like Batman Dark Knight. Oh, my bad. Should we go? No, nah, go ahead, bro. No, what's crazy is that I read about how people are creating contact tracing apps. <laughs> and so it's not just one specific app. You can create a contact tracing app right now, right? And they'll take your data um, and they'll sell, you know, they'll sell to advertisers because that's how they make it free for the user. I was under the impression that it was some type of app that was created by Apple and Google 
pushed out and just made on your phone natively. Me, I'm, I'm hearing that. Y'all think they put stuff in movies intentionally, so like subtly, right? So that mm-hmm. watchers and viewers um, will be more at ease. Yeah, who don't think this is crazy? Yep. Future technology and the things that they do. Exactly. It makes it a lot more comfortable. It, it makes it a lot more acceptable because the, the message has already been planted in yourself. Because I. I I think of movies like Minority Report, right? Not like the whole like, oh, they, you know, they were using like these, these, I don't know what the hell they were, mages or some shit, uh, to predict the future. I'm thinking about the other aspect of the technology where they were able to trace people down with drones and, you know, have surveillance of their homes using cameras from neighbors, doorbells, like crazy stuff like that. And that movie came out like what, ten plus years ago. Yeah, man, it's crazy. And this it's, is it's, what a, it's, a like it's a ton of movies that, that you know what I mean. Little things here, there, um, where a lot of this stuff has already been seen, and a lot of people have it in their subconscious. So when they see it come to life, it doesn't seem as startling. It doesn't feel as crazy. I feel like I don't know. This, that's crazy because it, it no longer feels like art is an imitation of life, but the the opposite way around. Life yeah, is imitating I mean, the art. <laughs> It's not, and, and I mean Steve Mnuchin. We just talked about we talked about him. He's a big time movie producer, not just not small movie producer, and I'm and not some time ago. Like he was producing movies in 2015, 2016. You know what I mean? Uh, big time. And now he's you know the uh, Secretary of Treasury. It's all it's all intertwined, and it has been from the beginning of time. Government and Hollywood and propaganda. You know what I mean? And the, the medium has changed. But it's always been the time. The birth of a nation. That's like the first... Psychological warfare. Yeah. Propaganda-driven, I guess, cinema disseminated to the country. That's that's just scary to think about. Given that... It's frightening. It's really frightening to think about. Um, Because sometimes, even I want to turn my phone off because I don't want... You know, people to know my every movement, <laughs> right? Like that was really crazy. They can still track you though with it off. I think, bro. Yeah, unless you have in like some lead line. You got a flip phone. You got a flip phone. You got a trap phone. that's the only way. But they'll look at you crazy now if you got a flip phone. Hey man, hey, tell them I, I respect if you my don't privacy. Got a flip phone, they looking at you all the time. Respect. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, we, one particular sector that I think is going to benefit big from this is biometrics. Right. These companies that work with government, they're, they're, they're going to say, "Hey, we need to have more ways of tracking people." Like in the airports, we're already seeing that. If you get on a, on a flight now, I know when I had flew overseas, I got on a flight with Delta. They scanned my eyes. I, I had never did that before. I didn't even need to open my boarding pass. Mm-hmm. They scanned my face. Okay, you're, you're good to go. Wow, you're good to go. I think and that's how they got it in this- China. I mean, Antoine said this, you know, I think offline, he was talking about, you know, what's going to be the, the uh, compar- comparable version of the Patriot Act that comes out of this is going to be some biological version of the Patriot Act that comes out of this. It's going to be, a. I think you're right, but I think it's going to be a little bit more. It's going to be a mixture, amalgamation of, of different things, because I looked at how, uh, you know, 
you know, going back to last week with Trump versus Twitter, um, <laughs> I look how easily he created an executive order, you know, and that kind of just like put Twitter back in its place. Um, but right. um, the the bigger thing to that was like how he exercised it, right? So I wonder how like you know people because we already seen this in cities with people pulling up people's uh, social media and using it in court against them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's gonna be when I say that amalgamation, that's what's gonna be included because now like yo everybody's on social media. You don't need social media, right? But people use it like it's like social security, like their social security number. Like <laughs> this is how you know this is me. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's insane. That is insane And it's gonna be crazy When they make it permanent And you're gonna have to Walk around With the barcode On your neck With your social handle Yeah I mean That's not crazy Because think about it We have We have We have um, Not just virtual reality But augmented reality Where imagine You know You're walking And you have a screen And you can see You know what I mean Like This person's height Or or, you know what I mean Like stats right along with the person and it's assisted like you saw google glass this isn't this isn't like far off stuff this is here this is not far yeah and social media will be attached as you're passing people on the street yeah marriage status like you know shit like that oh that's that's crazy spooky yeah these guys are on demon time (laughs) 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 um so one of the I don't know did y'all did y'all see the um earning or did y'all hear about the earnings report that Zoom did the camera company ticker is I think ZM um he talked about how they're not going to encrypt video calls for free users because they want to work with the law enforcement and the FBI. That doesn't even make sense. That's everybody though. Everybody's working with the FBI. Because, you know, it makes it easier for, for people to adopt the technology. If you're working with the government, the government has no reason to say, like, yo, nah, like, we don't want this. We don't want it. I mean, a, a lot of protesters are linking up on Zoom to organize. Right. And I, I guess this is Zoom's way of creating an incentive to upgrade to the buy it. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, y'all better get on premium. I mean, it's definitely a but when you hear things like that, like I was like, okay, this is not being talked about enough. But you know, if you if you want to be encrypted, you want to have encrypted communications, you're gonna have to upgrade. But if you don't upgrade, just know. And obviously, there are some bad actors out there. We don't want some child abuse and things like that. But the mere fact that they had first, you know, pumped up that they were gonna be rolling out encrypted calls, and then they said, well, it's not gonna be available to free users because we want to work. Law enforcement and the FBI. It's like, okay, bro. All of these companies. This is why my play two weeks ago on data servers make perfect sense. Because all this mm-hmm. data is being processed. All of that. And as we move more forward with technology, we're coming more integrated in our everyday lives, socially, economically, every, every day. Like, you're going to need places to process all that data. That might be where what um, takes over in the malls, because people don't need to go to malls because they could put on their Google glasses and see what size somebody is. Mm. Wait, talk about that some more. What, what, what do you mean? 
What do you, what do you mean by like see uh, putting on a Google glasses and see what size people are? There's already like technology out there, you know, to me- do measurements on people's bodies just off of pictures. Mm-hmm. So really, yeah. yeah. So when you know when when you know you mix that with e-commerce, it's a wrap. Why why have a spot in the oh, wall? Yeah. You could fit somebody perfectly every time. Yeah, when Shopify rolls that out, you know, for the 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 IG boutiques, it's a wrap. <laughs> I, I can see that happening with the high end retailers such as Farfetch first, um, and then it trickling down to others. Yeah, but like you said, we're moving into this this digital economy, right? Digitized work. More people are going to be at home, so more people are going to be setting up for on Shopify. I continue to be long on Shopify because I believe they're the biggest threat to a company like Amazon. Yeah, I don't know. They're, I wouldn't even call them a threat because they they really are just in one vertical, but they're the only company that seems to be able to compete at all. I think the the one interesting thing is when people when you look at like uh, you know gaming because now gaming has become more social too right so people want to be a part of the game now right so I, I look at the things that are interesting things like the central air which I we, we discussed before and people having avatars that reflect you know either them in that digital world or them in real life and people paying to have those avatars reflect that that's going to be a competition for Amazon. If Amazon doesn't get in on the ground and be like, yo, guess what? Amazon is is in here too. <laughs> yo, yo, Amazon is in here too. <laughs> you want you want a, a digital TV for your avatar? Get it from Amazon. Pay 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 us in manner. We'll take that. We take all forms of uh <laughs> of uh of of money. Any cryptocurrency, we take that too. You could go shopping in these digital worlds. Amazon could put their branding right there. So, like, while you're rolling around Fortnite, boom, you want to stop um, Amazon? Get your digital, damn, they could actually, wow. You're right. That's, that's a great point. Um, but, yeah, no, these companies, these are the companies that are going to be beneficiaries of it. I think security companies, uh, encrypted communications, that's going to rise. What's interesting, in, in shifting a little bit to crypto, we saw that Brave rolled out encrypted calls. Right, yes, sir. it's free for everyone. So, for people who are not familiar out there with the Brave browser, I suggest you check it out and download it. I don't use, I haven't used Google Chrome um, in almost two years now. At this point, I have the Brave browser on my my iPhone and I have it on my desktop. It's a way to browse privately and protect your. So, you know, from having your identity exposed or the things that you search exposed, and if you if you are someone who cares about privacy, I don't think you should be using Google because <laughs> they were tracking people even when they were searching in incognito mode. And a lot of people are communicating through these platforms, you know, looking to search for information about protesting. They go to Google, Google could easily just say, oh yeah, we know this person is involved, you know, on the ground, right? And they could turn that over. Uh, any, do any of you, you know, hold the, the basic attention token or uh, have brave browser and Twan. I know you've been a big, you know, proponent of that as well in the past. You want to talk about that? Or just I want to hear you thought you guys' thoughts now on this shift towards like, you know, privacy platforms like Brave. Well, well, I feel like 
I like the basic attention token because it, it gives people the ability to pay for content. And uh, when we're looking at people being more involved in the internet, right? And we're looking at, you know, all these, uh, was it content creators? You know, these right. influencers. That would be interesting when, you know, Brave is integrated into that. So that's what I'm thinking about. Um, but also, another thing I thought about was uh, I, I think I discussed before my thoughts on how the internet should be free because people pay for everything on the internet anyway. Like when you, when I think about Brave, I think about the potential rollout of that too. Yeah, I think I think along with your point, Twan. It also in addition to that, um, you know, when we were talking earlier in the show about the idea of rethinking and reshaping fundamentally, like, you know, how technology can not just serve a few people. Well, you know what I mean? When you're browsing the internet, that's your data. You know what I mean? And you, you have no say, you don't get compensated and co companies just profit on your data. I think right. brave and bad, you know, the basic attention, you should be paid, you should be compensated, you should get a share. Um, because this is what's driving the profits. This is why, you know, Google and Amazon have these monopolies, basically. Um, so I think it, it starts to open the conversation of, you know, well, what does data ownership look like? You know, if people aren't going to be at work, then how can we compensate people on, you know, their data? Because hmm. it's valuable. I think that's going to be part of the argument of how we move forward. Data is the new oil. Oil was what was booming in the last century. This century is information. That's the most valuable commodity known to man today. You know what it's I noticed though? Like with every, you know, like uh, with every run in America, it's like everyone's willing to work together to get, you know, whatever that thing is at the time pushed. So like at one point in time, there was an oil run in America. Then there was, a, you know, a gold run. Then we had, you know, the run for websites. And then we had the run for social media. And now we're looking at the run for blockchain, right? So like right now, everybody's willing to work together to, you know, just get blockchain out there. So, you know, mass adoption can occur. But once mass, uh, once blockchain is out there and mass adoption occurs, yo, what's going to be the Amazon of blockchain? <laughs> yo, yo, what, what is going to be like, yo, like, like, yo, get down or lay down. Like, we're taking all of this over. I mean, that remains to be seen. I mean, and how would you, yeah. how would you describe like the emergence of blockchain to a smaller business, right? That may need to make that shift. Remember, a lot of small businesses struggle to transition to the internet and put their business on the internet. Mm -hmm. Do we put anything happening for blockchain? Right with them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they can't afford the consultants. They can't afford the fees. It's not it's not like this skill set is in abundance and you can't hire that team in-house because it's only a few people that possess the skill set. So, you know, your labor cost of trying to maintain that internally is going to be extremely high. So you're going to have to outsource. And a lot of that outsourcing, I mean, hopefully a lot of small businesses, you can have some small business consultants, you know, pop up who can serve that market. But the fees of, you know, going through that transformation are going to be high in the initial stages. 
Mm. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because a small business can't go hire Deloitte. Right. right. They, can't, they, can't hire Deloitte. <laughs> they can't hire Deloitte. They can't hire EMY. So they're going to be behind in the adoption curve until some of those consultants from those institutions realize, holy shit, there's a big ass opportunity if I just go out and start my own practice. And that process will happen. Yeah. Um, but it's going to take time. And hopefully my, the businesses can survive long enough. Right. My biggest fear is that our people will get left behind in this revolution the same way we got left behind in the internet in the 90s, right? At the time, people didn't really believe in the internet in the early 90s. Thought it was be a fad. We're seeing the same thing happen with crypto, right? In the blockchain. And I think it's incredibly important for people to educate themselves out there on why it matters, the significance of it, and how to prepare yourself to be ready for what the world will possibly look like 10 to 15 years from now. That's just my personal. But there's some, it's a, it's, some shaky behavior. Well, it's some fuck shit going on this week in, in blockchain. Because someone lo- launched a George Floyd coin. Did you, did you guys see that? Yeah, man. What? I hope, I hope they got it. They launched the George Floyd token. And they, <laughs> they're trying to bank off of a black man's death and sell it as a new token within crypto for you to hold. Yeah. So for all the listeners, all the listeners um, in crypto, anyone can create a coin. So a lot of these protocols like Bitcoin, Ethereum, a lot of their uh, protocols of how the coins work are online, you know, and public for everybody to view. So people can, and in many instances, go and copy an existing project, you know, and then just change the branding and, you know, change a couple of things in the code and launch their own coin. And this is what's happened here. And the reason that people do that is because when you're the founder and you're starting a, a coin, you have all the tokens. So the way that you can cash out is you have all the tokens, you just copied and pasted, put George Floyd's name on it, and then get people emotional and wanted, wanted to be a part of it. And then they pay and you offload your tokens onto them. That is, that's literally what's happening. It's, it's, it's disgusting. It's very disgusting. And the way they described it, they talked to the founding team. I don't even think this shit is out there. I think they just put out a white paper. It was like, we want to make sure that George Floyd will live on forever. <laughs> Thanks to the token. While its main pitch, this is on Cointelegraph, while its main pitch is that of a secure way of funding and power. What? <laughs> the vision paper, catch this. Vision paper hopes it will help protesters and activists accept more than one payment stream if they need assistance. Sorry. I got stuff I gotta say, but I'll probably say it off the record because these niggas is clowns. <laughs> yo. <laughs> they try to yo, how you trying to profit off a man's death like this, man? I thought it was an onion article. Karma will take care of that. That's a fact. Yeah. And I'm going to let Karma catch up to Jazz up. That's, that's a fact, man. Yeah. You just got to let him catch up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what? Um, I want to... But, yo, so we're not shouting out the Floyd coin. Don't buy it. 
I'm, I don't even want to talk about it anymore because it's sick, but it's crazy because if you go to the Etherscan and you look at the transactions, there are people that are purchasing yeah, 600 holders. and uh, transacting right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's called an exit scan. In crypto, that's called an exit scan. Right. They're going to dump on you. You're the bag holder. And by bag holder, you know, they're going to dump the shit on you and they're going to get out. They've already made their cash or whatever the fuck it is. But whatever. And some positive news. I'm glad that the brother, I just want to give a special shout out to the brother Isaiah Jackson um, that wrote the book Bitcoin and Black America. That's starting to catch some attention because mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. realize you know the importance of having crypto during these times and why it's significant to our community um so you want to you know read the book or you know download you know, digitally you can do that on amazon bitcoin in black america i suggest everyone go out there and get it if you haven't heard about it yet or you know read it we need more content like that we need more people pushing that because that's a very serious thing it matters we should care about it. Plus, you, you know, you talk about this all the time. Like our people need to wake up. You know what I'm saying? And really get ahead of this curve. Yeah. So, shout out to him. Um, hopefully, we can get him on the show um, one day. Anything else y'all seeing crypto that, that stood out? I mean, I know Bitcoin cracked 10k, then came back down. Yeah, man, it's looking. I mean, if you speculating Bitcoin right now, it's looking spooky in the short term. Depending on what you, which way you're trying to trade it. Are you talking about so, anything, uh, crypto or anything market related? Anything, anything like crypto. I mean, I saw that Grayscale has bought a shit ton of Bitcoin even after the halving. Yeah, while we're on Bitcoin, um, there's a lot of selling pressure in the market right now. Uh, remember that we had the halving about three weeks ago. So a lot of miners are now unprofitable. I think the cost to mine a Bitcoin is now around $12,000. And, you know, the price isn't there to support it. So a lot of people are going out of business. Um, Also, exchanges are becoming a bigger and bigger part of the ecosystem. Um, And you saw this big run up um, above 10,000 and then this big dump down to like 9,200. And I think what, what that ends up being is like right now, exchanges have a little bit of incentive to dump into the market because it creates volatility and it creates trading opportunities. So just be careful out there. Um, you know, if you're if you're holding Bitcoin for the long run, you have nothing to worry about. Just keep accumulating. Right. Dollar cost average in. I mean, and be careful, period. It's be risky. Um, you know, just have to work to rush practice proper risk management yes sir the three m's of trading right just remember cryptos crypto is still a small market relatively and a lot of the coins are concentrated so you can still have a lot of market manipulation in the short term um they can really move the market violently so you know just be careful i just thought about something someone can someone could build the new record label on blockchain Yo, I'm glad you brought that up, right? Um, did you guys see what happened in uh, was it Wednesday, June third, when Warner Music Group went public? Um, I missed that one. It went public. So, like, Warner Music Group is like the label for like Cardi B, uh, Ed Sheeran, and Bruno Mars. So it got you know they got some hit makers on. 
but it went public. I, I think it's it's one of very few uh, record labels that that's public. But that yeah. would be interesting never- to see if uh, they can somehow tokenize the music industry. Mm. On top of what's already going on with streams, because maybe that's a way for artists directly to make money off the music that they make. I think that's going to happen. And I think that was that's probably one of the things Nipsey Hussle saw. Damn, I didn't even. Without having that conversation, I can't say that definitively, but just understanding, you know what I'm saying? The vision of where he was going. Um, that's probably yeah, what he envisioned. Very, he, yeah, he, he was, was very, very forward. Yeah, he was, right, he was very forward thinking, and that's probably exactly what he saw. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's had conversations within his circle in the music industry and that that doesn't live on. I'm pretty sure it has to. Right. Break that down some more, though, Twan, where a music artist or an act is built, you know, tokenizing their music on the blockchain. Is it? More so, you can own a piece of that album, and you can sell you know, different people uh, parts of it. Or what does that look like? Maybe more so, you buying into that artist, and based off of you know they have a certain amount of tokens, and based off of you know how much profit that artist can generate, um, you are able to make a certain amount of the profit. So, like for example, like Cardi B. She tokenizes, you know, her record contract or whatever. And so, like, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, you know, this year I mean, I only have like, I don't know, 10 million tokens, whatever, or maybe less than that. This year I made 100 million in record sales and stuff like that. So, like, depending on how much, you know, she makes in record sales and concerts and tours, we'll decide like how much that token goes up and down, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that would be interesting. I, I, uh, but maybe there might be better be, ways of doing it. Yeah, that would be interesting. But another way I could see it, I don't know how it comes to fruition, but with independent artists. You know what I mean? Instead of instead of signing to a label and getting an advantage, you can sort of fundraise um, through tokenization crowd if you fund. have enough rent. Right. You can basically crowdfund to go on tour um, or to, to do different things. You know what I mean? Instead of getting in advance and centralizing your brand if you have enough streams you have enough listeners you have enough people who care you know there will have to be some business element you know what i mean but for any for independent artists who have some business sense um you know what i mean they could definitely do that yeah because not every artist is has business acumen so there are some who do yeah there are some that do so for those that do yeah like some, somebody like that, I could see, you know what I mean? But getting on to something like that. Like the real long-standing independent artists. Yeah. I feel like the other so, thing we have to touch yeah. on in this podcast is the trade war with China. Facts. Uh, well, Trump kind of backed off and said he wasn't yeah. going to fight anymore. But yeah, it's a lot of tit for tat right now. I feel like we'll have a lot more to cover next week. But I mean, it, they're going back and forth. They're going back and forth. It's escalating and then it de escalated fast. But I mean, it's just a dangerous situation because of the state of the world. You know, it's a lot of it's a lot of chaos and it's a lot of finger pointing. So I feel like 
let's see how this week goes. You know, we had escalation and de-escalation all in one week. So, um, and, the, and the U.S. is kind of upset right now because China is making more inroads in direct foreign investment out in Africa. Right. Their, their, their exports are three times as high as the U.S. to sub-Saharan Africa, and the imports are two and a half times as big as the U.S. to sub-Saharan Africa. So, I, it seems like the Chinese take over Africa. Like, it's early though. It's early though. I, I think I think that globally, like it's it's going to come down to a competition of who's least racist between <laughs> U.S., China, and then I'd even throw Brazil in because I mean Brazil is the ninth largest economy and Brazil has 55, 60 million black people. Um, you know, depending on how you count it, race is very ambiguous there, but it's the ninth biggest economy on and on a purchasing par- parity uh, basis, they're probably like the sixth biggest economy. But their their race relations are even worse than they are in the US. But I think everybody's gonna have to figure out who can become the le- least racist and, and work with Africa. And it's gonna come down to those three nations really. I mean the US and Africa relations are already low. It's not like Africa is another priority. Though for the Chinese um, and their administration government, it seems like a high priority. Yeah, it's still early though. It's still early. It's still really early in that game. Why do you think there is so much interest from the East into Africa? Demographics, bro. It's demographics. It's uh, you got 1.2, 1.3 billion people. Um, your median age is 19. So that means you got 600, 650 million people under the age of 19. That's two times as big as the country of the United States. Um, and, you know, infant mortality, deaths under five, been cut in half in the past 20 years. Um, they don't even necessarily have stable regional food supply chains. And education and literacy is still a huge issue. So, um, you know, you go from, you know, all the drugs and pharmaceuticals that were on patent. They were on the West, you know what I mean, have come off a patent and moved production to India. India is trading with Africa. So people are able to stay alive. You know, you get vaccinations. It would kill a lot of people. Um, and now the next step, step is food security and then education. And you know what I mean? You look up 50 years from now, you'll have a population of two, two and a half billion people um, who will be literate, who, you know what I mean, who, who will have all types of potential and they're all <laughs> they're young. So it's obvious. And the rest of the world's aging. It's very, very obvious. I think it's that, but also people are like the new natural resource. Like, <laughs> as bad as that sounds, like um, Africa has a population of people that are kind of disconnected from a lot of different systems. And if you, you have the ability to get them on those systems, that means you have the ability to generate more income. That would make sense as to why we see Binance you know, having such an aggressive push in investment. And for those who out there who aren't aware, Binance is a another large uh, multinational cryptocurrency exchange. It seems like they're putting a lot into Africa right now. Yeah, I wonder if we could see the tokenization of human capital, bro. At some point. That would be interesting. So, like, you're betting on a particular... Like, like, just like what Rashid said, I guess betting on demographics, betting on their productivity. Wow. Um, you know what I'm saying? I can trade futures contracts on someone born 
in Connecticut. <laughs> I think we don't want to see that. Yeah, because that's re- that's reminding me of pre eighteen sixty five right there. I mean, but to, but Tuan, to your point, I mean, human capital has always been our most valuable resource because is is not necessarily like you look at something like oil. Like oil isn't valuable on its own. Oil is only valuable with what a human being could do with it. So, I mean, if we're moving into like this digital tokenized world, I don't see why not. I, I think when you think about that, be- though, you gotta remember that there was there was a point in time where you know people were traded basically like stocks, <laughs> like like yeah. you were buying into human human beings, right? In America, like stocks, like yo, that futures contract. <laughs> when you really look at, it. I don't, I don't want to see that again, man. I don't want to see that because it. That man, well, I'm not talking about. Probably not. I'm not talking about slavery, but we're in slavery right now, and and not not we're to fine. make not to make light of what you know happened those years yeah. ago, but it's it's just a different form of it now. It's economic enslavement. Mm. That's offendy. I mean, <laughs> there's no denying that, right? There, we have a lot of uh, people who will never escape financial enslavement because yeah. from the jump, from the time they come out the womb, they're already in it. I mean, think about all the people that don't have savings and living paycheck to paycheck. How I mean, even that? if you had savings, it's zero percent. Yeah, zero percent. You couldn't even save it, and and the gap is widening and widening. And so the people that we see benefit are those who put, you know, put their money to work or are putting their money to work through, you know, different asset vehicles. So it's just going to continue to widen the gap because I could just be a blue collar worker and all I know is to save, save, save. But right now, you're putting your savings into an account that is not from any type of interest whatsoever. And that may be a reason why we've seen a shift to where a lot of dollars have inflowed into the market. Yeah. Man, speaking of, this is I think some of that is global too, though, bro. I'm sorry to cut you off, Twan. I think some of that is just like uh, f- foreign um, nations, I guess, or foreign companies searching for ways to keep up with the their in, their own inflating currencies, and they're doing, and they could potentially could be potentially doing that through the equities market. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility, especially when you got, I don't know what's good with the Fed, but they, they uh, got real bold. Like they've thrown quantitative <laughs> of money out of the window and they're now on 60 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> directly to investors about how they print it digitally. Print it digitally. So forget the sophistication. They're like, hey, we, we print it digitally. We got your back. Come on. I think I think they're like that because for so many years, bro, we were like, if, if they just print money like this, they're going to inflate the fuck out the currency and it didn't happen. So now they're like, what now? <laughs> yeah, I think they're de- who they're talking to, though, yeah. they're not talking to, you know, most people. They're talking to investors. Yeah. Who, who believe don't fight the Fed. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the, the, ide- the ideology of people who work in financial services is that the Fed can fix everything. Yeah. So that's who they're talking to. And I think that's what's really led to this rally. People think the Fed has their back. But I mean, what arrogance do you have to have to think that a few people, you know, can fight the natural forces of economics? Of the unlimited. World? Jerome, unlimited ammo, pal. <laughs> <laughs>
Bro, it's crazy, bro. That, that dude's gonna be remembered in history, bro. He propped up a month. Like, and look, I'm not fighting the trade. You gotta, you gotta trade. You know, with the club. you gotta trade what you see. All right, bro. Right. Like this shit is unprecedented, bro. Like it took us like two years for us to to get back to the levels that we experienced in 2008, 2009. We just did that in two months. Like it's unreal, bro. <laughs> that is unreal. It's unreal. About. It's like I don't think people understand. Like we're like we're literally sitting here wit- witnessing history, bro. There were companies <laughs> that were bottoming out back in 08 and we did not see recover. For those that did recover, like 2011. It took us like two years to make a full recovery. We did that shit in two months, bro. Like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. That Meanwhile. Meanwhile, we're at thirteen percent unemployment, and there are riots in the street. Bruh, it's like what is? It's crazy. I don't get it. It's crazy. And all this madness. Do do any of you guys have something for the watch list? Uh, yeah, man, I've been looking at Ruger firearms. (laughs) You know, uh, since really since last week, and I and I saw this stock, you know, steadily move up this week. Ruger, Smith and Wesson. I don't think like the adoption, they were saying there are a lot of, um, there were record background checks for firearms over the last 12 months. Like the registration, you know, for firearms is through the roof. Like never seen before. I wonder if people yeah, are signing up for home security as well. Home security, like Nest? I don't what know. Whatever mean? home security they feel comfortable with. Nest, Rivent, whatever, was it right. ADT? Actually, I think Ness is the thermostat. My bad, ring. Uh, but again, Amazon own rings. Amazon. It's <laughs> <laughs> the answer to everything, Amazon. The answer to everything, man. Just if you're unsure about, you know, where to park your portfolio, it's you know, Amazon. It's like C on a multiple choice test. <laughs> Amazon. Baby. Hey, buy Amazon. <laughs> yeah, so that's on my watch list. Ruben that's Fire, a fact, though. That's all I tell people to buy. <laughs> just buy Amazon. Amazon, Google Firearms, Shopify, you know, I think they're a little overvalued right now, but you know, who cares about market caps? Um, those are those are the companies that come up, you know, watch list and then looking at you know being able to protect myself through some risk, going right back to UVXY again, um, or you know, V VXX calls and comments, right? So that's you have to protect yourself because who knows what can happen. It could be so unprecedented where we go right back down to those levels in a matter of two weeks. But I, I doubt it. Personally, I doubt it. But just like insurance, you know, those calls are just insurance for your portfolio. So you got to protect yourself. I mean, we don't. It's just a lot of uncertainty. So while the probability of it happening is very low, you still got to have some type of insurance. Then that's how you do it. I don't think it's that low, bro. I don't know timing, but something's breaking. Something will break. This is. This is not. This isn't sustainable. I mean, it's like um, the 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 equities market, and this makes a case for Bitcoin is becoming like as volatile as like a cryptocurrency. Probably not like in one day, two days, but like, what are you seeing like these type of market movements over a month, two month time frames? It looks like. Yeah, bro. Something will break. I feel very confident in that. Like, it's just too much going on in society. 
So, so you play, you play Rashid is uh, the volatilities. Yeah, I'm I'm long volatility. I'm long volatility. Um, I'm all in no crypto, and I have some gold and silver miners. And other than that, I'm out of the market. Any any tickers? Uh, gold. G O L D. That's bare gold. Um, A G. First Majestic Silver. Pan American Silver. P A F. P A A S. Got you. What about you, Rush? I mean, I trade. I don't really trade the equities market, bro. So I'm I'm more short term um, currencies, commodities, and indexes. So I mean, I, I gave my whole spiel on my basket of currencies last week, but I've been longing the um the the global equities market. So like the euro, um, has been going crazy. The Australian dollar has been going crazy, and then um I'm also looking at short term taking shorts on the um on Bitcoin and potentially gold. I don't know. I want to kind of see what what the week opens up like, but we'll see. Short on gold. You're short on Bitcoin. I'm short on Bitcoin right now. Yeah. Just, right. I, I mean, hope you got a stop loss. It's short term. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I always trade with a stop, bro. Come on, man. I ain't new to this. I'm true to this, but I'm um, long with yeah. it. It's just market action, bro. Just kind of looking at what's going on, and then the same thing with um gold. If for me for for next week, I've been uh I've been watching real estate throughout this time, and I, I've noticed like there's been a, a a trend of like uh development continuing in certain areas. So like I live in the city of Baltimore. There's this uh, architecture and design group called BCT. So like every every month they publish uh some of the new uh, projects that they're working on. So May 28th, um, which I mean, this week I pulled up the May 28th, uh, uh, I guess like, uh, what was it, thing that they published. And I noticed they had like something new for the city of Baltimore. So I'm like, I'm looking through it. I'm like, all right, let, let me let me see what this is. And it was like a casino um, over near a casino uh, project over near uh where the Ravens play, MC M and T Stadium. I was like, damn. So I, I looked into it. It was called the Warner Street District, and the majority of the financing from that came from Caesars. So I, I went to Caesars stock. I saw like Caesars was almost back to normal from um, its dive in March. I was like, yo, maybe I might as well just play with the market. Let me just play Caesars this week. <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> are you long enough? Are you short? Sure, Woman, did you see the, the the videos of people in the casinos? The, the casinos are packed right now. Really? Pins going up. I think pin tapped forty. Remember, we wow. was we had pin at when it was in the team. That's pin crazy. tapped forty. The win tapped over a hundred. Vegas is back. The economy is back. <laughs> bro, that's what Trump did. Victory lap. Bro, he did a whole 45-minute speech. He even threw George Floyd's name in it. He was like, hey, this is what he would have told you this is the best thing that's ever happened. He said he's looking yeah. down. He'd be smiling. Yeah, he'd be smiling. Exactly. But this is the best thing that's ever happened. Yo, since the markets are rebounding. Yo, it's crazy. I don't think many people are gambling right now. So, you know, naturally I will put a put in on this, but I I mean, 
I think it's stupid of me to to go against the flow of the market right now. Yeah, man, you got to trade with the trend, baby. Nah, see I mean, look, that's on the watch list because as soon as the market turns, that's where you want to be looking, especially if it's because of another outbreak. Right. Come on, that, casinos. That, those, yeah, that's going to be the volatile stuff. Yeah. And that's the NBA. The, that. I'm still kind of blown away that they got money to, to blow to build a casino, a, a bigger casino slash entertainment district in the city of Baltimore. I'm like, man, this is mad. <laughs> the mismanaged capital, bro. Like, that's what we need out. right now. <laughs> people are stressed out. And for a lot of people, the casinos was how they made money. It was their career. So playing poker, things like that, right? When all that comes to a halt, what do you do? You're at the house and, you know, you're stuck in the house. So there's a lot of pent up frustration and people want to show that they're rebelling against COVID by going out to the slots this weekend. That's, that's why we're seeing the casinos back. Uh, addiction might have something to do with that. That's true. Opioids and gambling. Yo, any of you nah, guys I mean, got petty puts? Petty puts. Western Union. Western Union is my is my petty put. I've always had a problem with Western Union. Um, they're predatory as fuck, you know, on the underserved and the underbanked. And that's like a lifetime pay you put for me. That's not even yeah. for this. That's a lifetime. Um, but I think their business is going to be affected because you have social distancing and curfewing that's impacting like cash in, cash out services. And there's been this increased fear around using uh, paper money because it's contaminated, right? And they mostly rely upon physical agent networks across the country. But if you're in the house, uh, you know, for some people, that's where they go, right? Because they do not trust the banks. But I believe in the both in the short term and the long term, over time, digital, you know, remittance services will ultimately disrupt Western Union. So that's what my petty put is on. You think crypto is going to disrupt it? Absolutely. It probably already has. (laughs) You know what I thought of? And I hope, uh, I don't know, maybe this is already out there. If it's not, I hope no one steals my idea. But, uh, (laughs) <laughs> I was thinking um, maybe uh, like a company can partner with something like a, a prepaid uh, mobile service. And on that prepaid mo- mobile service, you can pay for your minutes, but also you can in cash buy crypto. Like, I, I just thought uh, that would be pretty cool. I mean, you have services like that in Africa, like in Pesa. Right, they totally leapfrog the U.S. financial uh, services system because they went straight to mobile, and they pay for everything using a phone number. If Facebook was smart, they would do that for WhatsApp. If they're looking to really capture the global market for payments, cut the check if you do. But yeah, I, I do believe that crypto will ultimately disrupt you know remittance services that rely on cash and cash out services because more and more people have gotten comfortable sending money digitally through things like Cash App and Venmo ever since COVID popped off. That's another thing that accelerated. So we're seeing the adoption of things. There's still people who like to send money the old school way. They've probably, you know, got it their family member onboarded to like Cash App because now with Cash App you can even have a routing number. You don't even need a bank account. Cause where can service your bank? So yeah, I would love to see crypto disrupt a Western Union. So that's that's my my petty my lifetime petty book. Lifetime. Anybody, anybody else have something? Well, y'all, y'all talked about your shorts. So. 
Yeah, my shorts are never petty though, bro. Nah, I'm just short. That's my up. issue. I'm yeah. not market, but <laughs> yeah. Alright. Before we go, any shout outs? One um yeah, shout out to the listeners. Really. Yeah, man. Shout out to the feed, you know, people reached out to us, um, you know, with the feedback, letting us know Zach has a lot of fans, we saw. So thanks again to Sigma for coming on to the show. He has a lot yeah. of fanboys out there across Reddit. Um his Twitter mentions <laughs> it's pretty crazy to see it's wild so shout out to him um, and then just you know shout out to everyone out there that has Linda it to us um, and right. cares about this and we want to continue doing this so that, yeah that shout out to the listeners that's my shout out thanks I agree I'm not gonna front the I've been listening to this one album a lot Run the Jewels so I gotta shout out Killer Mike <laughs> Shout out Dave East, man. Rest yeah. in peace, King Shooter. Yeah. Yo. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to get on out of here. Um, as always, investments in you know, securities and stocks can involve great risk. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Um, it should not be relied upon for financial advice. We're just here for free game conversation and education. Please consult with a financial advisor before you purchase or sell any security. And with that, we're out. Boom. Why do you have to lose? You're living in poverty. Your schools are no good. You have no jobs. 58% of your youth is unemployed. What the hell do you have to lose? We're pulling life on the upside of America. Mama let me sip the 40. I was just a shorty. Damn. Then I started spitting garlic, and they said record me. Man. I feel like this shit was for me. This shit just my story. Facts. Yeah, uh, John out the porch, uh. I got a porch, no take it back. I'm on the block with the killers and hoe at my own, of course. Yeah, I see my mom and dad separate, ain't talking divorce. Said so daddy was living by the fire, and he died by the torch. Jay. Jay.